are listening to the weekly message at Woods Chapel Blue Springs, where it doesn't matter who you are or where you are coming from, everyone is included, accepted, and loved. For more information, please visit us at woodschapelbluesprings.org. How is everyone this morning? Well, thank you for joining us, whether you're in person or you're watching from home. Uh, I am sorry for the technical difficulties that we're having, but these things happen. Uh, Now, some of you are like, why in the heck did we just watch the story of the three little pigs? Now, who remembers this story? Come on, get your hands up. I know, yeah. Even if you're at home, get your hands up. I can't see you, but I can can feel it. I can feel the love. We, uh, this brings back so many memories when I was a little kid. I had, uh, who had the book? You know, the book with like the little gold on the edge. Like I I can remember reading this book specifically and never in my entire life did I think I would be preaching a sermon about the three little pigs. But a year ago, last October, we're sitting in a room and we're talking about what do we want to talk? We plan a year out in advance and what do we want to talk about next October? And somebody said the three little pigs and we're like, that's a great idea. And then, uh, so this is, this is what you get. But the premise is that we go back to our roots and we remember, a lot of us grew up with the story, we remember that there are truths and that there are life lessons to be learned in this story from the three little pigs. Now, in my research this week, I went and spent, I don't know, probably hours reading the story and watching different versions. Uh, little did I know that there was like, I don't know, there's like 17 different versions of this video. And of course, Disney uh, does it, but the story goes back to like the early 1800s. Uh, some people would argue there's, there's premises of the story uh, that go back to the 1500s and even before that. But uh, I'm reading or I'm watching the version, one of the versions that was not as PC as this one. And I'm like, goodness, I was probably scarred as a child because there's the wolf and the wolf comes to the last house. And, and I'm watching this cartoon and, uh, you know, there, there's a boiling pot of water. But in the cartoon version that I watched... One of the pigs grabs a bucket of turpentine and pours it in with the water. I'm like, what is, I don't understand, because he just shoots him back out of the roof or what. But you all remember this? Anybody? Am I the only one? Good. All right, then. Well, uh, it's, it's just this, it's, it's this story that I, we're, I'm a little perplexed over. But when we look at the themes of the story, there, there's life lessons to be learned. Uh, There's importance into these. Now, what's interesting is Jesus tells a very similar story to the one of the three little pigs, right? If you go to Matthew 7, he he tells this story. He says, those people who are listening to me, those people who have heard what I said according to my teachings, uh, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock on a firm foundation. When storms hit, rains pound down, and waters rode, levees broke, and the winds beat all the walls of that house. But the house didn't fall because it was built upon a rock. Those of you who are listening and do not hear, you are like a fool who builds his house on sand. When a Our foundations are important. The things which we build upon are important. And in life, we... We build things that aren't important, don't we? Or we don't rely on our foundations. We forget what our foundations are. And and I want to make the argument to you this morning that the whole basis, the whole foundation of Christianity is a life of generosity. 
Now, we read about this in this book we call the Bible, right? We read about story after story after story, and it invites us into a space to think about others instead of just ourselves, right? Self uh, sin is just thinking of ourselves. Sin is the thing we struggle with, where we miss the mark, where we choose things for us instead of choosing life for others. And that life and that the kingdom of God can exist here and now, and we can choose to participate in that. And in the Jewish tradition, the, the first book that was thought to be written, the one that Jesus would have been teaching from, they would have called the law and the prophets. They didn't have a Bible back then, right? This book did not exist in Jesus's day. They just had scrolls with different writings. And the law was the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the prophets were like Daniel and Isaiah. And the prophets would look back at the Bible at some of the original stories, the stories of our ancestors, and they would read those stories. And when they read those stories, they found patterns. And in those patterns, they would then prophesy and say, if we do the things that they did before us, if we don't learn from these things, we are doomed to repeat the pattern. And so you have books that are prophetic, not because God dictated to them what to say, but because they found patterns in our history. And we call that accessing, like the Holy Spirit, accessing God. And so then we read about stories. And the first book that was originally thought to be written was Exodus. Exodus is the history of our people that came out of slavery in Egypt. And they started writing the story, and they would tell it orally around campfires. And at some point, they said, yeah, but that describes um, what happened to us, but where do we come from? And then Genesis was written. There's this book of, oh, yeah, in the beginning, there was this amazingness, and it was good, right? And so those are the first two books of our Bible. But you go on from there, so you find, you find there's chaos, right? There's disharmony, there's disorganization, and then you find that they come together, and they leave Egypt, and they're, they're organized, and then they go back to the beginning, and they tell a very similar story. It says, God, from all the chaos, creates the earth, from all this chaos, from nothing comes something, and it was good, right? And so we see that the story of the Bible is about order, disorder, and reorder. And so the first two books of the Bible invite us into that space, and it's story after story after story of the history of our people, the Israelites and the Hebrews, about their cycles through their life. And so um, the next three books, now if you've, ever written, uh, written, if you've ever written the Bible, no, we don't do that. If you've ever read the Bible, uh, the next three books, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, are all about the ordering. How do we order things? And so there's all these rules, and there's all these laws, and there's all these, I don't know, there's a lot of weird stuff. Like there's some very specific instruction in Leviticus about how you kill a bird, and how you dissect it, and how you offer it up to God. Like very, but it's all about how do we reorder so it's our foundations to who we are and who we are in our faith and our relationship to God and relationship with each other. We always come back to how do we order things? How do we make it right, right? How are we righteous? Righteousness means to make things right, to participate in that. And so we're looking back at our foundations. What are our foundations? What are we building things upon? And to the root of all this is this idea of generosity. Everything boils down to generosity of giving ourselves, whether that's our money and our resources or our time or our abilities and our talents in life, that we are to share that, that we are to come together in community. Uh, in the Bible, there's this word. I got to find it in my notes somewhere. Uh, Tzedakah. I talked about this a few weeks ago, and often it's translated as charity, but it, what, what a better translation is that it means justice. And when I say justice, I don't mean justice within a legal system. Justice is this idea that we can hold all things in common and be equal. And so the opposite of justice is what? Being selfish and hoarding all of our things. 
But the Bible, at the roots of it, from the very beginning, invite us to order things in such a way that we are generous with our things, that we give freely of our stuff. But I believe that we struggle with this. Anybody struggle with generosity? There's a few of you. I mean, I would describe myself as a fiscal conservative, and I don't mean that in a political sense. I, I mean, in general, in life, um, my wife uses the term cheap. I say frugal. And, uh, but, but in the back of my head is always this idea that there's not going to be enough. I mean, anybody else struggle with this? In preparation for this sermon, I read this book by Scott Sunshine called Stretch. Now, it's not a Christian book. It's not a faith book. It's a business book. And he makes the argument, he's a research scientist, and he makes the argument that the, the most successful people in life, the best CEOs, and he has all this data, if you want to, if you're into that kind of stuff, I love it. Uh, I listen to Brene Brown every single week, if you know who that is, she's also a research scientist. And a few months ago, she suggested this book, and she has all of her staff read it. And so, um, luckily for you, Amy, Abby, and Allison, we're going to read this book. But it's, um, it's intriguing to me, but I love numbers. And so it's all this research and data on how when we take the things that we have, and the premise of the book is that what we have is enough. And he talks about pursuers and chasers, people that pursue and chase the next thing, the next deal, more money, the next house, the next car, the next suit, whatever it is, and that we are chasers often. And he talks about when he was a young man, and one of his first jobs was he's in Silicon Valley, and they raised all this money and had all this venture capital money, and they raised tens of millions of dollars. And the premise of the company is they didn't really have much of a product. They just like, they kept growing and growing and growing and raising more money and spending and spending and spending until finally it imploded. I mean, how many of you remember the dot-com boom of the 90s? It was this big bubble, and this happened to a lot of companies. He was a part of one of those companies. And he says, so he starts doing research, and he says, the people who understand that what we have is enough that everything we have, that we can take it and we can stretch it. Now, these go back to our roots, our Hebrew brothers and sisters, our, our Israelite, our Jewish brothers and sisters. At the root and the core, they understood that what they had was enough and that it was their responsibility to share that, to share that with everybody. And so this, I know, is some of y'all's favorite sermon. How many of you know what tithing is? We like that word a lot, don't we? Tithe, look, some be like, oh, not that sermon. Now, there are roots in generosity, and tithing is one of the ways in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Numbers, Leviticus, we, we find this idea of tithing. Now, tithing is this idea that we take 10% of what we have, and we give it to a charitable organization. The term they use, now, if you really want to fall asleep one night, go, go to the Old Testament and just, just start reading about tithing, or Google tithing verses in the Bible. There's a ton of them. And there was tithings for everything. There was tithing to the Levites. And the Levites were, the, were what we would call the modern-day church. They were responsible for preserving the documents, right? They were the order of the priests. They, they, it was to take care of them, and they were to distribute to the poor. There was a, a poor, uh, there was a hungry and poor tithing. I mean, there was, there, and there was first tithings and second tithings. There's all these, all this stuff. And I'm not going to bore you with all that. But that is the basis of our roots, that we live a life of generosity. And if you're a part of this church, uh, if you're not a part of this church, this doesn't apply to you. If you're a part of this church, I always invite you. I have... I invite you to an opportunity. I might say the word expectation, but I would expect that we would help our community. And one of the ways we accomplish that is by tithing. Now, I know some of you can't do 10%. I know maybe that's a goal. Some of you, I know, do 20%. Some of you started on a journey and a path, and maybe you're at 1% or wherever you are. 
But I, I hope that you understand the things that we're doing make a difference, aren't important. So that's, that's the foundation. That's a starting point. But then there's something else that I found in the Old Testament that, honestly, I had forgotten about since I had had a seminary class. So if you go to Leviticus, great reading, by the way. Um, that's sarcasm in my voice. Leviticus 19. Uh, and so I, I want to read this for you. So tithing is a basis of how our ancestors accomplished great things, right? They, they pooled their resources and money, and the 10% is that. But there was more than just tithing, right? And so, of course, Jesus would have been teaching from these things. Jesus, this would have been part of his foundational teaching, generosity. So in Leviticus 19, verses 9 through 11, it says, When you reap harvest of your land, and I know a lot of you this time of year are reaping the harvest of your land. Any farmers in the room? I know we have some farmers. Gene and Warren, who watch from home, I know they have a farm. Maybe else have a farm? Oh, so none of you are reaping right now. Cool. Okay. So you shall not reap up to the edge of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not glean bare your vineyard. You shall not gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. Now that's a weird thing to say. Um, why would I preach about harvesting the crops and leaving the corner of it? Now, the word that they use... Uh, there's two things I'm going to talk to you about. Gleaning's the first one. I didn't know what gleaning necessarily meant. Uh, gleaning is the idea as when they harvest. So if you were to ever harvest anything and you might leave. So, so say you're harvesting grapes. Maybe some of the grapes aren't ripe yet. So they would, they would stay on the vine. You're supposed to leave them there and not go harvest them later. When you're harvesting grapes, you might drop some onto the ground. You're supposed to leave them there and not take them with you. And the reason for that is so that the poor and the needy or somebody who needs these can come and use and get them. Also, it says, don't harvest all of your crops. And so the word they use is, is peya, which, is, which means the corner of your field. Leave it so that those passerbys, those people who are poor, can come and use it. Now, Jesus actually knows this, right? He, this, is the, this is their law. This is their practice. Everybody participates in this. And so for the most part, you know, we have jobs and get paid and get a paycheck today. So it looks different today. But in their day and age, uh, everybody, you know, if you had a job, you were harvesting grapes or, or olives or you had um, sheep, right? Sheep and goats for livestock. And so Jesus knows this and he's walking through a field one day and him and his disciples are hungry. And we find the story of him of picking wheat and they're eating the wheat, right? Because everything was shared in common, there was always access to food and stuff because you would share everything that you have. So it wasn't just about that you gave 10% to, to the priests, to the Levites, to, to help the poor to do stuff. They went above and beyond that. Everything that they had became used for the common good. Their crops, right? Their grapes, their olives. Uh, today would be corn and wheat. Or if you get a paycheck, you might leave a little... You should, I want somebody to do this this week. Call your boss and be like, listen, I want 15% of my check. Just keep it. Give it to somebody who needs it. Of course, we wouldn't trust that they would do that probably. And you probably won't do that. So the idea of how generous we are has changed. But the 10% doesn't go away. And we don't, you know, we have to make money and do things to be able to give and be generous with our stuff. But Jesus knows this. And so he's inviting people into the space to live like this. And I think we forget our roots are one of commonality. Our roots are one of generosity. Our roots that we share things in common. And of course, I would make the argument that it is our job as a church to do this. There are other ways to accomplish this, but I believe that it is the church's job to take care of one another, 
not governments, not other places and vehicles. I believe it's the church's job to take care of one another. And so I have uh, a couple different asks of you today. I have two things. Every October, we get together and um, I say, listen, we're getting ready to start our new fiscal year. So I ask you to pledge money. So for those of you that go to church here, I'm talking to you. If you're visiting today, there's, you're not expected to do this. But I do have an ask. I, we plan in October. And so there are certain things that we do uh, in our budget. I plan, I ask you to tell me how much you're going to give in the next year. Now, we're in tough economic times. So guess what's down? Giving, right? So we have planned giving, we have organized giving, we have um, uh, committed giving, and then I have times where I come to you and then I ask for things that go beyond our budget. So we budget for things. And I don't talk about this a lot because Jesus tells this story. He's like, when you do something good, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Um, but there, once a year, I do, I do like to share with you some of the impacts you've made in your community. So I asked Amy, I said, give me a snapshot of the last week. What are some of the stuff that we've done as a community from the, the offerings, from the tithing that you give to this organization? And she says, here are some ways that you contribute to community through the generous, uh, generosity of time and giving. Well, we partner with another church called Beth, Bethel Family Worship, uh, where we provided over a thousand pairs of underwear to children in the Hickman Mills School District. We help several families through our care portal system, providing things from like fire extinguishers to pack and place. Uh, Care Portal is a system that we use for, uh, for people who foster children in their homes, and we meet their needs and help take care of them. Uh, we provided bedding to a child whose family had a fire in their home. We serve several families every single week through our food pantry. We partner with Community Services League to provide uh, a night at a local health hall for a homeless man who was needing a shower and needed to go to a job interview. And provided food for kids um, that we partner up with, and we provided the food uh, where they fed people in Autumn Place just, just last week. Um, we helped a woman that was um, unexpectedly caring for her ter- two nephews with clothing from our children's closet and diapers and wipes. We helped a young woman caught in domestic violence situation provide items for her to move into her own place, and we helped furnish her apartment. We deliver back snacks on Friday, and we continue doing this throughout the entire year. Um, and then we also, um, along with back snacks, we got a phone call from the Grain Valley School District last week, and they said our current provider of back snacks is no longer able to provide them. Back snacks are the thing we, we send home food with kids who are food insecure in our neighborhoods on Friday, and it helps get them through the weekend so they have food at home. They called us and said, we need somebody to do this, so of course we're going to step up and do this. And so all of those things we budget for when you give here, right? We have all these things, and, and when the money runs out, that's, that's it. And so there are times, though, that there are exceptions to this, where we, where we have a, a need come up or a need arise that goes beyond just a normal giving. And then I come to you and I ask, we did this thing called the summer lunch program this summer, where the school district could no longer serve meals um, sometime in June. I don't remember when it was. And we picked up the slack through the entire summer. We teamed up with them and four or five other local organizations, and we fed thousands and thousands of meals and kids this summer. And that was not in the budget, right? The tens of thousands of dollars that, that took was not in the budget. And so I went to you all and I said, we need about $15,000. And we raised about 13000 of that fifteen. Today, you know, I'm asking you to pledge. I'm asking you to pledge now, and that starts in November. But I'm also asking for something else today. I'm asking for a, a need that we have in our community. So um, this morning, the Philp family is with us. And you'll notice them because they have these amazing t-shirts on that say Team Lila. 
The Phil family has been coming uh, to church here and are part of this community. And uh, earlier this week, we received an email from one of their friends, Angela, who also comes to church here, who I think, or actually maybe Chuck sent us an email. I can't remember who it was. There's a bunch of people who live not too far from here. And um, they made us aware of a situation. So the, the Philp family, their daughter Lila, who's five years old, was diagnosed at two years old, and I wrote all this down so I didn't mess this up, with cortical dysplasia. And this um, causes her um, to have seizures. And she's been on anti-seizure medication uh, for the last three years of her life, and that medication is no longer working. And so she has to go have brain surgery to help with this. Now, normally, um, maybe you'd have to able to have surgery here, but the experts in this and the place that she needs to have surgery is in Boston. And so she and her family, have, they've already been out there once. They have to fly to Boston, and they have to go have the surgery there. Normally, uh, a place like Ronald McDonald House or other housing places would help assist in the expenses for the, th- the minimum three weeks that they have to be there. And they would put them up, and they, wouldn't, you know, they would help them with this. But because Missouri is a hot spot for COVID, they told them that they are not able to do that. They're not welcome there. And so um, Angela put together, she's making bracelets, and all the proceeds from these bracelets that she was selling for $5 a piece are going to help support the family. Because if you've ever traveled, or especially to Boston, I mean, $200 a night for a hotel is probably cheap. And to stay for three weeks, we're talking. And she was selling bracelets. And so we reached out and we said, you know what? It's in our budget. We're going to buy 200 of those bracelets. Now, that's not enough to support the, their entire trip and to support them through this. But we, I did buy a bracelet for all of you. So all of you will be receiving the bracelets. And that money will go towards the, the Philp family to help with their expenses. If you noticed, somewhere around here in my back pocket, uh, we have made these face masks that say, Be kind. And we bought a bunch of them and gave them out to all of our children to wear at school to spread this amazing message that we need to be kind to one another. A lot of you asked, I would like to have one of those. And so we ordered some larger ones. And we, so uh, we, Ashley Horton, I think, and Carla Harold have a cricket. You know what that is. I thought it was an insect. Apparently, it's this little tool that you can make little stickers out of or something. I don't know. And you iron them on. And so we decided that we were going to sell these for $10 a piece and all the proceeds will go toward the Phil family. And then the third thing we're doing, because I anticipate this being very expensive, is we're going to have a fundraiser on Facebook. Often people like to give in a digital format, so we're going to have a fundraiser on Facebook that you will see me post later today that talks about uh, giving towards this that that will help not only them, but other people in our community. So we have several different ways in which I'm asking you today to come together to help support Lila on her journey. And I got handed this this morning that we are somewhere, that we as a Wood Chapel Blue Springs community are on Team Lila. So I'm going to embarrass the whole family and ask them to stand and just, I want to acknowledge and thank you guys um, for this. I want to thank, is Angela here this morning? Yes, we love you guys. Hi, Lila. You guys need anything? Yes, you are there. It's bright. I can't see everybody. So thank you all um, for continuing to support them. Please go and give to that. And um, also today, we have a lot, a lot of things going on. Uh, after church, for those of you who haven't heard, we're having a parking lot party. 
So if you didn't bring, I said bring your lawn chairs. Uh, if not, we have folding chairs you can grab, go out. I spent all day uh, between Friday and Saturday making a bunch of barbecue. My wife made a casserole and Erica Lucas, I know she's here somewhere, she brought, there she is, she brought beans. So we're having a parking lot party, so we're going to share a meal. Now, today, because we're, we're celebrating World Communion Day, so if you're new to Christianity or new to faith, or maybe you grew up in a church that didn't practice open communion, we believe that communion is one of these things that Jesus taught us. So he met with his disciples the day before he was going to be taken and crucified. And he sat down, he would have sat down on a table, something like this, and they all sat around it, right? Uh, all 12 of them, all on the same side, and they took a great picture, right, that Leonardo da Vinci took. And so... They sat there, and, and Jesus sat with his friends, and he said, you know what? You're going to do this, and you're going to do it often. And so he took bread, and he took wine. Those have been the staples of their day. Um, if it were me, and when you ever come to my house, it's like margaritas and tacos. And so, but, but in his day, like, like the staples were bread and wine. He took them, and he broke them. He handed them out to his friends. We call them the, the disciples. He said, you're going to do this. What he's talking about is you're going to eat. Everybody eats, and we do it often. It's the center point and focus of our lives, our houses. Every time we get together, we, it's always around a table. He says, you're going to do that, you're going to do it often. He says, so what I want you to do when you do this, every time you eat, every time you take a bite of bread, every time you drink a little bit of wine, I want you to think and to talk about ways in which you can give back to your community. The way he said that was, is remember me. Remember me in the life I am teaching you to live. In the life he taught us to live, what he was getting ready to do was even sacrifice his own life. He's inviting us into the space of a sacrificial life. And so he invites us when we're at the table together, when we come together. So, so we have this sacrament. Where we, we, it's, it's a mock meal, right? Where we remember the life that Jesus invited us into. And so if you're at home, grab a biscuit and your coffee. If you're here in the space, underneath your seats are this little cup. It's the new way of communion, because I can't have you come up, and we can't all touch the stuff and dip it, you know, and half of you didn't like that anyway, because some of you like to put your fingers in the juice. And so, it's true, it's true, my kids are one of them. Uh, if you tear the top layer off, there's a little wafer, and so this is, today is going to represent the body of Christ, and what that means is that Jesus invites us to remember that he gave so much that he even gave his body, he sacrificed his body. Right? And that's the ask this morning, that you sacrifice not just of your body. I'm asking you to sacrifice your money today, to give towards something. So what do we do with food? We take an individual thing and we eat it, and it goes towards our whole body, all the pieces and parts of the body. And it makes us whole. It gives us strength and nourishment. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. This is how we use our money, our time, and everything to contribute to the whole. And, and just like, so you eat that, eat your, your biscuit or your pancake or whatever, and then, just, and then he took wine or juice. Hmm. And of course, he blessed them. And he drank that and he said, remember, blood is, is the life that is in our veins. It's the mechanism when we eat that takes the nutrients and it brings it to our muscles and it brings it to our bodies. And he says, this is, think of this as blood, that it's giving you life and you need to contribute to the whole body. So this morning, as you're eating and drinking, or if you join us afterwards in the parking lot, I have tons of food. Uh, and if you're at home, grab your lawn chairs, come join us in the parking lot. As we come together and eat, whether it's in symbol through this little cup or whether it's together for a whole meal, may our conversations be about how can we help one another? And I've given you an exact way and how you can accomplish that today. So as you think on those things, 
as you partake in communion, as you have conversations after church and in your own communities this week, let's go to God in prayer. God, we just ask that you bless this food that we're partaking right now. And God, I want to bless the food um, that we're about to eat out in our parking lot. God, as we, we partake in that, God, may our conversations give honor and glory to the sacrifice that you made for us. But God, most importantly, may we remember, may we know, may we go back to our roots that what you were doing was inviting us into a life of sacrifice, a life of generosity that we can give to those around us, that we have the ability to help one another, that even with money, we can show our love. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the love that you have given us. We thank you for, God, we thank you for the resources that we have. God, help us to use those resources for good, to bless those around us. God, thank you for all those opportunities. Help us to see the opportunity around us every day. But most importantly, help us to participate in that good and in that opportunity. And God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll join us again next week.